It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Tomorrow evening, Passover begins, and then seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, March 27th through April the 4th. So I thought it would be important to bring out a name for God's people that is relevant and applicable to the season that we are in. And there is no name for the people of God more relevant or more applicable than the one found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17. For we, being many, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Actually, there are three names for God's people in that single verse. Paul refers to us as one bread. Paul refers to us as one body. And Paul declares that we are all partakers of that one bread. What does that have to do with Passover or the Feast of Unleavened Bread? We're going to find out shortly. And I believe this is going to be an extremely edifying and blessed revelation to you. Let's start by just presenting the Haggadah, which is the retelling of the story of the initial Passover. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 15. Let's read it. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until the morning, and what remains until the morning you shall burn with fire, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. 
and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses, for whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. So there you have God's original design for the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. In fact, they were so associated with each other, Israelite people refer to both feasts as Passover, and they refer to both feasts as unleavened bread, as if they are one and the same, eight days long, beginning with Passover, and then seven days of unleavened bread. This is a feast that is a memorial of something God did. What was most amazing is the importance God assigned to it. He said, this will be the beginning of months to you. Why? Because it was the beginning of their freedom, certainly so, but I think even more so, it was representative of a new beginning for the whole human race, not just animals being slain for the protection of the Israelite people, but what was prefigured by the whole affair. Because see, it was a foreshadowing of one to come who would be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And his blood over our lives protects us from more than just physical death, but every facet of what death is, emotional death, mental death, spiritual death, physical death, eternal death, the blood upon us that Jesus shed on the cross, the Lamb of God, washing us clean from our sins. Yes, that's what was prefigured. How do we know this was all a symbolic prefiguring of the crucifixion? Because Jesus said it in Luke chapter 22, verses 14, 15, and 16. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Jesus was clearly indicating that his crucifixion was the fulfillment of Passover. So the feasts of the Lord, and there are seven feasts, three primary feasts, which is Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, but all together with the spring feast, summer feast, and the fall feast, there are seven feasts, and all of them are memorials of something God did in the past, but they're also prophetic of something God was going to do in the future. So they are profound in Revelation. There is so much contained in each one of them. Look back at the Passover feast again. It was the greatest mass prophecy that's ever been given. Well over a million men dipped hyssop 
which is a scrubby little wilderness plant, into lamb's blood and applied it to the upper doorpost and the two side posts of their homes. Unknown to them, they were making the sign of the cross. They were symbolically representing the one who would stretch out his hands on a cross and be crucified. How amazing. And God told them not to go out of the house, but to stay in the house if they were to be safe. And once you come under the blood, don't stray from it. Don't get away from it. Don't go out of the house. Then in the homes, they ate the lamb. And they ate it all. Not only the good parts, but the head, the legs, and the entrails. Why? Because God was saying in symbolic language to eat the entire word of God. Where's the connection to that? Because Jesus, the Lamb of God, was the word made flesh. And to eat the lamb is to eat the word. And God is saying, eat the savory parts, the joyful parts, the blessed parts that promise all kinds of benefits, but also eat the tough parts, the ones that are not so savory, the passages that are very demanding, the verses that dig deep in your heart. In essence, that's what God was saying. Eat it all. Don't leave any of it. Don't leave any portion of the Word of God out. And Then he said, eat it with unleavened bread. And then for seven days afterward, they were to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread from year to year as a memorial of how they ate unleavened bread as they passed through the wilderness after they went through the Red Sea. Why? Because in order for bread to rise, it's got to have time for the leaven or the yeast-like fungus to move through the dough causing a release of gases because it's rotting in essence. That's what fermentation is. It's causing a semi-rottenness in whatever is being fermented, and that releases gases that makes the dough rise. Well, they didn't have time for that. They just had time to make unleavened bread, and then they're fleeing the country. God told them to be in a state of readiness to eat it with their sandals on their feet, their staff in their hand, and their belt on their waist, and to eat it in haste, he said, because it's the Lord's Passover. So they were not to sit down and enjoy a meal. It was a time of panic in Egypt. It was a time of intensity. It was a time of escape from serious judgment. And I believe the blood of Jesus enabled us to escape from serious judgment. Let's go back to this idea of unleavened bread, because once again, Jesus said everything would be fulfilled in him when he went to the cross. He said, I will never eat of the Passover feast again until it's fulfilled. Well, it was fulfilled shortly after. Well, what did the unleavened bread represent? Two major things. Number one, it represented the sinlessness of the Lord Jesus Christ, because leaven represents sin. Anything that causes a state of semi-rottenness is representative of something unclean or sinful in the Jewish mindset. But it also represents the kind of lifestyle that followers 
of the Messiah should have. If we're going to eat the lamb and eat the unleavened bread, then we've got to partake of the sacrifice for our sins, but also partake of a lifestyle that is free from sin in order to be like him. Because what you eat is what you become. You are what you eat, the old adage goes. And if you eat of the lamb, you become a lamb. A lamb being an animal that doesn't retaliate, is gentle, it's meek, it's submissive. It represents the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you eat the lamb of God, then you become non-retaliatory. You become peaceful and you become meek and you become submissive, just like a lamb. Praise God for that. There's another passage of scripture that really helps us to see that connection. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6, 7, and 8. But before I read those three verses, I've got to set the stage and let you see what's happening. Paul is dealing with some sin going on in the Corinthian church, the sin of incest. And he told them very clearly that they had to deal with it. They had to deal with the man. They had to bring repentance to the situation. And he said, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? In other words, if they let this horrible sin against God continue in their church, it would have a corruptive influence that would spread quickly through the whole congregation. Leaven spreads quickly through dough. And if you put a little bit in the dough and start kneading it, it just goes through the whole lump. And he was saying, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Then, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So Christ is our Passover. He is our Passover lamb. Just like God told the Jews in Egypt, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the destroyer that was causing the death of the firstborn in every Egyptian home did not come near one Israelite home where there was blood on the upper doorpost and the two side posts because they were partaking of the lamb on the inside of those homes and they were protected under the blood. Do you see the beauty of the symbolism? Therefore, let us keep the feast. We're feasting in the middle of disaster. The world around us is filled with chaos and in the midst of it all, believers are feasting. No matter what the condition of your life is, you're still feasting on a supernatural meal, a spiritual meal that nourishes your soul. And he said, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven. In other words, don't eat the lamb, but have leavened bread. Don't partake of the benefits of the sacrifice and then live a sinful life along with it, but rather Purge out the old leaven, 
And let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So the first aspect of the symbol of unleavened bread is to eat of a sinless lifestyle that Jesus exemplified and a sincere devotion to the will of the Father, which Jesus exemplified and walking in the truth, which of course Jesus exemplified because he was the truth. The New English Bible renders that passage a little bit differently, and it declares, as Christians, you are unleavened Passover bread. So actually, not only do you eat it, you are what you eat. You become a demonstration in the world of someone who has been transformed by the blood of Jesus and by the word of God. Praise God. So, what about this symbol of leaven? Can we expand on it? Can we develop it? Yes, absolutely. Because Jesus used leaven in several different ways. He told his disciples to beware of the leaven of Herod. Herod was the Roman ruler over the Holy Land. And he was corrupt, he was worldly, he was hypocritical, he was murderous, he was bloodthirsty, he killed some of his own children and his wife in order to maintain his political position, corrupt to the core, and yet he claimed to be one of the offspring of Abraham because he was an Edomite. He was an offspring of Esau. And that came down through the line, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And of course, Jacob's brother was Esau. And so Herod claimed to be able to trace his heritage back to Abraham. But he was corrupt. He built the temple to the largest size it ever was. It was more glorious, more spectacular in its architectural design and beauty than possibly it had ever been. Yet it meant nothing because his heart was cold and cruel. And in like manner, Jesus said, beware the leaven of Herod. You can do all kinds of religious works that look large and impressive, but if your heart is corrupt, it's worth nothing. And then Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Their leaven was religious externalism. They counted themselves righteous because of the right kind of clothing that they wore. And yet they were whited sepulchers. Inside, they were full of death-dealing attitudes. But outwardly, they were very involved in rituals and ceremonies and traditions. And they loved to be considered leaders among the Israelite people. All the corruption, not of the world like Herod, but the corruption of religion. And then Jesus also said, beware of the leaven of the Sadducees. They were the ruling elite in Israel in that day. They tended to be the wealthier Israelites, and also they were skeptical. They were intellectual, and they did not believe in angels. They did not believe in spirits, and they did not believe in the resurrection. But they claimed to believe in the Torah. And they claimed to believe in the prophets, but they would purge it of its supernatural content. I see that in a lot of Bible colleges 
and a lot of churches where they take just the plain word of God and remove the supernatural elements. That's the leaven of the Sadducees. Now, Jesus came down from heaven to be bread. He said, I am the living bread. He said, if any man eat of me, he shall live forever. Moses did not give you the true bread from heaven. He said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes on me shall never thirst. What wonderful words. He said, my flesh is food indeed. My blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So if you eat of the bread of life, you become what you eat. You become bread of life. No wonder, no wonder, no wonder. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17, Paul said, We being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. If we partake of the one who said, I am the bread of life, we become one with him and we take on his nature. And even as he came down from heaven to feed the starving masses of humanity, those who were so hungry for truth, they were dying for the lack of it. And he came to give himself a sacrifice so that he could feed them the bread of the word of God. But now he's ascended back into heaven and it's our task to take over where he left off. And now we are one bread, for we are partakers of that one bread. We have become what Jesus is. If he's the Lamb of God, we are lambs. If he's the bread of life, we are bread. So that's basically the revelation that goes along with this Passover week and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It all ties back to that wonderful time of deliverance for the children of Israel that became the beginning of months to them. And your deliverance from sin became the beginning of your life, a brand new beginning. So praise God. Take all of this to heart. Be the fulfillment of what Jesus came to produce in this world. Not just pew-warming spectators, but participants in this wonderful plan of salvation and redemption that is taking back this world one heart at a time. Be bread to somebody this week. Find someone who's starving for the truth and become selfless where you give up time you could have devoted on things you wanted to do for yourself. Bread does not exist for itself. It exists to be consumed by those who have need of it. And if we truly fulfill the call to be one bread, we will exist for the sake of being consumed by the work of God and by the people that work is intended to reach. Let's do it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. 
We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be. 